Christopher Columbus. We all know the name and the famous poem. Well, at least the first line, right? In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue and blah, blah, blah. It goes on to talk about his journey and the hardships he faced, but fails to mention things like his spotted background. He's been called things like a liar, a con man, a murderer, and a fraud. So why is he still celebrated in some cultures? The same reason many other figures still remain. It has a little bit to do with the whitewashing of American history. Today we talk about the real story of Christopher Columbus, who he really was, and how he became known as the discoverer of the new world. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. One of the biggest debated aspects of Columbus's life is something that has nothing to do with any of his voyages or discoveries. No, this debate is one about the original birthplace and the real identity of Christopher Columbus. Most modern-day history books say that in 1451, Columbus was an Italian-born citizen whose birthplace was in Genoa, Italy. But that would be kind of difficult because Italy didn't exist then. And many people think that this is this the Italians' way of kind of forcing their way into American history. So many people dispute this, obviously, saying that Columbus was actually Portuguese. Both nations came, claim Columbus as their own, and even have statues built to honor the explorer. But the Portuguese believe he may have been the bastard son of a Portuguese prince. Either way... Columbus grew up and joined the Portuguese merchant marines, where he was able to travel and learn exceptional navigation skills while trading with foreign goods. Columbus learned to speak several languages, including Spanish and Portuguese. Interestingly enough, uh, he did not speak Italian. Go figure. He married in 1479, and they had a son the following year. His wife, Felipa Perestrello e Moniz, a Portuguese woman, died a few, few short years later, in 1485. His second son was with a mistress he took after his wife's passing. So let's skip ahead. Let's, that's enough background on uh, Columbus. And interesting enough, uh, that really wasn't even his name at the time. Uh, Christopher Columbus is, is a translation as well, which we'll find a lot in this story. Um, a lot of the flaws and a lot of the inconsistencies that come in understanding Christopher Columbus and what he stood for and where he came from just come from misinterpretations of text, uh, mistranslations um, in different ways, okay? So let's get into these voyages. In 1484, Columbus started approaching potential investors about an Atlantic voyage that would hopefully provide a much faster trade route to China. However, for years, Columbus was denied by King John II of Portugal. When he ran out of options, Columbus decided to make a change and move to Spain in 1486. Okay, It's where he gained audience with the monarch King Ferdinand II and Queen Isabella I. But it took about two years to convince the royals, which makes sense, right? They're not just going to 
give money to this Portuguese guy who just wandered in here and needs a bunch of gold for a voyage? What if he just runs off, right? So Columbus was given a total of three ships, famously known as the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. You guys probably know. They set sail in August of 1492 and spotted land on October 12th, 19, uh, 1492. This land is most commonly agreed to be Watling's Island in the Bahamas. But wanting to press on to Japan, he spent little time in the Bahamas and sailed next to Cuba. See, that's what a lot of people don't understand, as the miscalculations that happened in Columbus's trip was not because he was an idiot, was not because he did not know how to sail, and it was not because um, he didn't know the coordinates or where he was. He knew exactly where he was, coordinates-wise. The problem was that Columbus did not know where Japan was. That's where the issue lies. He knew where he was going, and he knew where that was located, and he knew how far it was. But he thought that that, quote-unquote, this island in the Bahamas, was Japan. Okay? So, moving forward. Uh, Thinking he had discovered Japan, he turned back southwest and headed away from Florida. By December 6th, Columbus had landed on Haiti. It was known then as Haiti by its natives, Tayano people. And he renamed it La Isla Espanola, or... Hispaniola. Just before Columbus was set to return to Spain, a storm damaged the Santa Maria. Since there were too many sailors for just two boats, a decision had to be made. The Tayano people helped gather all of the retrievable planks from the Santa Maria, and a fort was built. 39 men were left behind at the new Fort Navidad. Now, a lot of people assume that these 39 or 40, some people say 40 men, um, whatever, I think they're just rounding it up for you know, ease of telling the story. But these men were left, and in a lot of stories, you won't hear the fact that because the ship was destroyed, they didn't go back. Most of it is he thought that there was... It, he was already looking to prosper from this land, so he left these 40 men to go ahead and get started on this new this new fort, right? This new establishment here, this new homestead, if you will. Um, and the Tayano people were going to help them, right? Taino. Um, I, I apologize if I'm saying that wrong. I, I feel like everyone I've heard say it says it in a different way. Um, so you guys understand that, that we're going to talk a little more about the Taino people um, here in the future. They are an interesting tribe. Okay, so for whatever reason, so he left the 40 here to build the fort, right? He's headed back. He's going to get reinforcements, and he has some of the Tayano people with him as well. So Spain agreed to fund a second voyage, and this time Columbus was given a very generous fleet of 17 ships. It also included cannons and attack dogs. Um, and I believe these were included because of the mention of gold. And when he brought some of the native Taino people back to Spain, um, they also realized that they were wearing gold, right? And I'm sure they had more of it. They had it somewhere. So they wanted to know where it was and how much of it they could get. So they were sending back with a vengeance, right? They were coming back, making sure they had all their bases covered, 
And also, it's important to note that there is a a um, popular quote from Columbus at this time where he says something to the extent of, these people can be conquered with 50 men or less. Okay? He says that to the queen. He says, and, and, and that's the... That's the harshest thing, right? The harshest interpretation is something along the lines of, all we need is 50 men to take these people over. They seem docile. They seem peaceful, blah, blah, blah. Um, But when you look at the actual transcripts written in Latin and you look at some Latin translations, um, you actually get something more along the lines of, these people have servant, servant tendencies, okay? Um, but it's also well known that Columbus was also a, a bold missionary as well. He was uh, not bold. Bold is not a good word. Uh, devote, devout. Let's say devout missionary. So pushing the Christian religion and pushing people into servitude and to serve the one high God um, was the easiest way to take over a, a tribe, a native area. So I feel like this was first and foremost in his brain, whether he truly believed in it or not. Um, so I think the term servant here is is better translated to Christian servant or servant for God. And people, a lot of people are going to look at that and go, well, that doesn't matter to me. Well, that's fine. But I just want to let you guys know that this is one of those interpretations that is really taken out of context quite often. Okay, so uh, so Spain agreed to fund a second voyage, right? Okay, so upon his return to Fort Navidad, Columbus found all 39 of his men that he had left dead, and the fort had burned to the ground. The locals claimed that the sailors raped the local women and stole anything they wanted from the natives, so they had to be stopped. This was the beginning of the Tayanos people's extinction. The Columbus Columbus vowed to avenge his fallen by finding and eliminating or enslaving all of the Tayano people. La Isabella was established and named after the queen. It was a city built quickly for defending against the Tayano people. Okay, so this, this is true. Naturally, um, when the Spaniards come back, and led by Columbus, they're going to see their people here, and they're going to be distraught about this, of course. But it is also very important to note that Columbus was not on board with this, at least at this time. And a lot of the horrible things that you hear about Columbus, uh, the chopping off of hands, uh, the raping of women, uh, that yes, those things went on under his regime, but they also went on um, in regards to the Spanish, the Spanish peasants that worked for him as well in Spain. He was just as quick to cut off their hands or their noses for disobedience as well. Um, so it was it was kind of just a common punishment, okay? And you're talking about a man in Columbus who wasn't it's very hard to label him an evil man more he was he seemed to me more so like a man who would do anything um for popularity he would do anything to 
to climb in that social status. And this is what people in power did. Okay? Not giving him a way out, still did a lot of shitty things. Um, but there is a lens, a historical lens, that a lot of this stuff has to be viewed through. Okay? To understand it completely. Or you can take it at, you know, you can take it at the cover price, whatever, and compare it to today's society and not understand any of it. That's up to you. So, the Spanish started taking slaves, forcing them to work in the gold mines. Everyone who refused had their ears and noses cut off, or they were killed. One claim went as far as to say the Spanish fed native babies to the dogs when they had run short of food for them. But I couldn't find anything to verify this. Okay? A lot of this stuff can get a little, can get a little out of hand. All right. A lot of, like I said before, a lot of these interpretations get interpreted the worst possible way. So it also cited that the dogs were used to torture the native people and would be released on them as punishment for disobedience. Now, I, I don't, I don't deny that. I'm, I'm sure dogs have been used forever as enforcement. Dogs have been man's best friend for centuries and centuries, and they have been used in these ways. I have no doubt. So. Also, any one person over the age of 14 was ordered to deliver a hawk's bill full of gold every three months. And if they did not, then their hands would be chopped off. Taino women were given to the Spanish men to do with as they pleased, and many were shipped off to Spain. And a lot of these Taino people died on their journey. Okay? A lot. Because with the, with the coming over of the European cultures who had been living with animals for centuries, okay, they were immune to these diseases that these animals carried, these infections, these diseases, whatever, uh, the, these sicknesses. And the Taino people were not. There were very little, very little domesticated animals in the Americas um, at that time, or in South America or North America, there were very little domesticated animals at that time, okay? So, like I said, many of the Taino people died from the hard labor or the trip um, back to Spain. They were forced to endure others. Um, others were starved to death, and some even committed mass suicide. Now, because Catholicism forbids the enslavement of a Catholic the people were offered the opportunity to convert, but often did not even understand what that meant. They basically saw it as, if I become a Catholic, if I give in to what you're doing, then I give up all of my freedoms, and in that case, I would rather be dead. And that's not necessarily how they saw it. This, this may have actually been a saving grace for them, but like I said, just one more thing that was lost in translation in this crazy story of miscommunication. Okay, so back to Columbus. So, so the story goes, Columbus and his men beat, tortured, raped, and enslaved the Tayano people. Combined with the epidemics, they had now spread to them. By, 19, by 1496, the population fell to 70%. Okay? Now, First thing I want to mention is that with the first introduction to Europeans, whether it be Vikings, the Spanish, or whatever, 
As soon as Europeans stepped foot and had any type of colony for any amount of time in the Americas and brought their animals, their domesticated animals, whether they be chickens, cows, pigs, dogs, cats, whatever else came with them, diseases were spread like wildfire among the native people. Wiping out 90% of the entire native population before before the 1600s and 1700s, before uh, Europeans came and manifest destiny and all that. They were just cleaning up. That's something new that I learned. I did not realize that sickness and illness and disease wiped out 90% of the Native American people. Let me, let me just let that sink in for a minute, okay? And then the remaining 10% were easily wiped when Europeans decided to come over here and take over this land for real. Okay. So, finally, the people of La Isabella started a revolution against Columbus. I hate that we're even calling it La Isabella anymore, right? Gosh, I mean, but that's what they named it. So that's the new name. That's what they're called now. They started a revolution against Columbus and his brothers, and a Spanish royal investigator was sent to assess the situation because news had traveled that, hey, it's getting out of hand here. We got some crazy... But here's the thing, though. Without the presence of the revolution, would the Spanish royal invest, the Spanish royals even give a shit? I don't think they would. I think if everything was going smoothly and there wasn't much backlash and Columbus is still bringing back gold, I think everything is fine. I think the real issue here is that these people quit bringing back gold to Columbus, right? It's always about money. So not surprisingly, the Columbus brothers were found guilty. Columbus and his brothers were arrested and put on a ship back to Spain. Now, Bartolome de las Casas, a former worker for Columbus, says he quit to join the Catholic priesthood due to the nature of the atrocities against the native people. The evil he witnessed disturbed him so much that he wrote, quote, Such inhumanities and barbarisms were committed in my sight as no age can parallel. My eyes have seen these acts so foreign to human nature that now I tremble as I write. He wrote this after witnessing 3,000 native people beheaded, raped, and dismembered in one day. Some other things he wrote about. And I have to warn, these are hard to listen to, but they come from the Father's own testimony. Okay? Now, a lot of this, there's a lot of historians that say that Bartolome, Bartolome de las Casas um, was not even connected to Christopher Columbus. And that he wrote about these atrocities later. Later in the regime. Okay, now, now this regime was still started by Columbus, okay? But you're talking maybe even decades later um, before it gets to this point. Columbus is done Is done with this situation. He's already been fired. Um, he's been sent back to Spain, whatever, okay? So he's actually not there when the shit hits the fan. Um, and now, that's a, that's a very... It's a very bold term, I guess, because he he was 
there for a lot of stuff, but not the stuff that Bartolome is writing about, okay? Okay, so here we go. Let's move forward. He says, he witnessed men taking bets on who could cut a person in half with one slice of their blades and testing their blade's sharpness by cutting off the legs of children who ran away. He says he even witnessed them filling people full of boiling soap until they died. I don't even know what that means. How do you boil soap? I mean, wouldn't just boiling water be bad enough? But here's an insert, allegedly, from Columbus's own logbook about the native people of the islands. Okay, now this thing suggests that he was selling... This, this segment from his own logbook suggests he was selling 9- to 10-year-old girls to the local men for sex work. Okay, It says, quote, A hundred castellanos are as easily obtained for a woman as for a farm, and it is very general, and there are plenty of dealers who go about looking for girls. Those from 9 to 10 are now in demand. Okay, so, yes, this is from Columbus's own logbook, his own diary. But what they do not tell you about this is that Columbus wrote this while in prison. He wrote this in prison to let the king and queen know what is going on while he's not there. These are things that got out of hand, and he's writing about them to show his disdain for them so he can get out of prison. This is one of those texts that is taken widely out of context. Okay? There's... It's so hard. I'm not defending Columbus, and I don't want people to feel like I'm defending Columbus. But I am someone who is going to try to bring you as many facts as I can about this and as much background as I can, because intent and background is important. You can't just take things that you hear or that you read and just be like, well, that's it. That's how that person felt. I mean, there are hours and hours of myself talking online. People could take my words and make me say whatever the fuck I want. Okay? That's just the reality of it. But you can't you can't take it for that. And and the older things are, the more likely people are to take it for its face value, right? Okay, so here we are. Columbus is still in prison, and the king and queen of Spain are now looking and going, hmm, now that we have Columbus in prison, now we're not getting any gold. Hmm, gosh darn, that really sucks. Maybe all the shit that he was doing is not so bad, because then we'll at least have the gold coming in, Right? So thanks to the large amount of gold that he had acquired for them, the royals released Columbus, and he was granted another voyage, but was ordered to stay away from La Isabella. De Las Casas spent the rest of his life fighting for the rights and humane treatment of the indigenous people of the Caribbean Sorry, until there was no one left to advocate for. Okay, De Las Casas... Y'all remember him? Old Bartolome, right? He's still fighting for the indigenous people. Okay. Um, 
So Columbus explored for two more years before returning to Spain, where he later died in 1506. Columbus made most of his money through his trade of native slaves, making him the first American slave owner, and he started slavery in America. In 1505, the son of Columbus became the first American to own a black African slave as the native population was dying off. They were replaced slowly with African slaves. Okay, so in that way, I guess you can say that he started the transatlantic slave trade. A lot of that gets gets pushed onto him. Um, but the fact is, Columbus was dead. You heard it there. His son, okay, now his son, in all fairness, also his fault. His son wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. Uh, but his son was one of the first ones that started bringing over African slaves. So, so what happened to the Tejano people after Columbus, right? So the remaining population fled to the mountains of the island and lived there with their new leader, who was the wife, Anna Kawona, of the murder chief who led the attack on Fort Navidad. Okay, in 1503, the Spanish governor at the time requested an audience with the chief, hoping to resolve the revolution, so she and 80 of the tribe's leaders went to a meeting house. But unfortunately, the Spanish governor's real intentions were hidden. When the Tayano people were inside the meeting house, um, God, this is so brutal, he ordered the entire thing burned down, so they would burn alive. While trying to escape, Anna was arrested and later hung, but not before she was offered anonymity if she would give herself to one of the Spanish men. Anna chose death. Smart girl. A famous Taino warrior at the time, named Enrique, was in the meeting house when it was set on fire, but he managed to escape. Unfortunately, his father was not so lucky and perished that day. Enrique's wife was later raped by a Spanish governor, which led to Enrique starting a revolt against the Spanish again in 1519. Enrique ordered his men only to kill in self-defense and to try and disarm their enemies first. Though they were attacked often by the much better equipped Spanish, they held them off for some time, or at least until 1533. Enrique even once captured the governor who raped his wife, but still chose to spare his life also. Finally, the Spanish admitted defeat in controlling the remaining Tayano people, and the current monarch, Charles V, signed a treaty that granted freedom and rights of possession. Enrique returned to the mountains with his remaining followers who numbered only 4,000. And by the turn of the century, no remaining Tayano descendants could be found. Within 50 years, an entire population of people had been wiped out completely. The Taino people were extinct. And like I said earlier, along with many, many other natives, 90%. That's why when the Europeans came in the 1600s, so much of the land looked uninhabited. Because it was. There was only 10% of the native people left in the Americas. I said Americas, North and South. So, basically... In regards to all the horrible shit that Columbus um, has took the blame for, a lot of it he did, or a lot of it he was in charge of, whether he did personally or not. 
But one thing I can attribute to Columbus and the Spanish and the European explorers of that time in general, and that is bringing the disease that wiped out 90% of the natives. That's got to be the largest crime committed. Um, un- it's not a crime. It's just an un- It's just a terrible side effect to what happened. They they couldn't have known that these diseases would do this. Not to say they wouldn't have took them by force anyways. Okay? Not to say that. I'm not I'm not trying to like I said before, I'm not trying to defend Columbus. Um speaking of, there's a video on YouTube. It's about fifteen minutes and oh no, it's about twenty eight minutes actually. Uh there's a rebuttal video that's about 20, 15 minutes. But it's done by a channel called Knowing Better. Okay, and it, it the video is entitled In Defense of Columbus, and it is a fantastic video describing a lot of this. It goes into the things that I've told you in, in much more depth, um, a lot more explanations. You get to see those, um, those translations and those interpretations uh, laid out. I highly recommend watching that video before you go any further um, in your Christopher Columbus research. So here, around Christopher Columbus Day, um, I just want you guys to know the truth, or as much of it as I can bring you. Um, so, in closing, Christopher Columbus, he's uh, still still kind of a shitty dude, especially to, to today's standards. Um, but in past standards, not the idiot people made him out to be. Not an idiot. Maybe power hungry, um, maybe hungry for gold and social status, that is no doubt. Um, but an idiot? No, he was not. Christopher Columbus did not think the earth was flat. Christopher Columbus did not sail into a weird part of the ocean where he did not intend. He did not go on this journey with no maps or no preparation and no calculation. That is all false. Now, did he find something, a a plot of land that he mislabeled? Absolutely. Of course. Of course. Okay, but give him a break. He didn't have Google Maps at the time, right? He just thought that Japan was closer because he thought Asia was larger. He didn't even account for the Americas being there. So, in that sense, it kind of explains a lot. Now, do I think he should be celebrated? Hell no. Hell no. Do I think that Columbus Day should be turned into fuck Columbus Day? Hell no. Let me tell you why. Because there are much, there are arguably much more horrible people in history. I don't know, Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, Angus Khan, shit. Like there's so many other people that we could shit on for a day that deserve it a lot more than Columbus. Okay? But like I said, he definitely doesn't deserve to be the father of our country, and he definitely doesn't deserve to have all these uh, capitals and cities and, and areas named after him. I mean, there are so many things in the Americas named after Columbus. The state capital of South Carolina, for instance, is Columbia, South Carolina. Okay, you got D.C., District of Columbia. And there are tons of states in the U.S. with cities called Columbia. 
um, not to mention the entire country in South America. So, is he is he over idolized? Absolutely. And maybe we need to hate on him for a while to kind of even the odds. But honestly, he is just a footnote in history who just loved the fucking limelight. He loved to be he loved to be out there. He loved to be socially accepted and he wanted to rise in these social ranks and he did whatever it took to do that. All right. So that's my opinion. So, now that that's out of the way, let's hear what Lauren has to say in this week's Lauren Synopsis. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like, Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren synopsis. Breaking down the case like. Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up, people? Lauren here. Here to get my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained. Christopher Columbus. Don't know where to begin. A whole lot to unpack in a short amount of time trying to sum it up in a synopsis. And I'm not a history major. Um trying to understand with all the misinformation out there in regards to Christopher Columbus, good and bad, you know, between elementary school textbooks that lead you to believe that he was just this this great guy that came over in his three ships and discovered the Americas. Um, and now there's all these places named after him over here. Um, and then you come to find out much later that he enslaved and was responsible for the deaths of a bunch of indigenous people um, in what we now call the Bahamas, but at the time was an island called Guanahani. Um, these people treated him great when he showed up. And, you know, the thing is, this wasn't all just his his idea and his doing to enslave these people, make them work, and, and extract as much gold out of their island and whatnot as they, as they could. This was also the doing of of Spain and, and Europe, you know, they, they, they wanted, when he reported back what he had found, they ordered him to, that this was now their property and he was the governor of it. And that the people that were on their property were also their property. And so I I feel like in many ways he's kind of a scapegoat and also something we do in 2020 is put our 2020 lens on, on the past and try to act like, you know, if you were back then you would, you would have acted differently. You would have had a lot more, um, sanity and, and uh, empathy for other human beings and you wouldn't treat indigenous peoples this way and whatnot. And that may be, but it would have been a, you would have been a very rare person if that were the case. Um, the fact is that all, almost all of human history is extraordinarily violent. Um, it's a series of human beings taking over territories, killing each other, a, a power struggle for either resources, land, whatever you could take from other people, you had almost no remorse for, for killing people that either looked different from you or had something you wanted. Um, if you look at almost all of human history up until very recently, that's the way it was. Um, and that's not excusing Christopher Columbus. It's just hard to really, um, it's hard to hold anyone in regard, high regard anymore for their accomplishments in a way you know, in the past, because almost all of them have blood on their hands in doing so. Discovering new places a lot of times meant other people dying to do so. When uh, people from Europe came over to the Americas, there were obviously already indigenous people here. 
um, be it Native Americans, millions of them died from smallpox and from diseases that Europeans brought over here with them. A lot of that was unintentional. It was going to happen because they weren't exposed to all the stuff that Europeans had been exposed to for so long. Now, later on, there were smallpox blankets and all that stuff. That was intentional. Um, and then there was obviously wars that were fought for territory between, you know, then Europeans and Native Americans and all this, all of this stuff is, it's all human history. And it's like, it's, it's just Christopher Columbus in my eyes is not much different than so many more of our, um, historical figures that we hold up. Like again, Genghis Khan in many ways, he did great things and he also did just terrible things, killed millions of people, um, it's it's just a complicated thing because they lived in a completely different savage world than we live in now, where we have empathy for other human beings. We put ourselves in other people's shoes. They didn't. They weren't really about that, especially if other people looked different than them. They didn't understand it. Um, it's just I, I don't know. It's it's hard to say this without sounding like I'm justifying any of the behavior. I'm just saying like Christopher Columbus should not be held in a high regard like our textbooks did, obviously. Also, the 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 vitriol and the hatred towards him and not other figures. Um, like, he wasn't the only one enslaving these indigenous people. He was also acting on orders from people that were paying him to go there on this exploration uh, that those people aren't vilified, those people's names aren't brought up. I guess it's because he was held in, so, in such high regard here there's statues of him there's places named after him i think that's where the hatred comes from and i understand that it's like people are now mad it's like this person that we've been holding in this high regard we had a we have a holiday for with you know christopher columbus day for, for god's sake i think that's where the hatred comes from and especially from like indigenous peoples and whatnot and, and that is totally understandable to me there's a lot of information out there it's hard to make sense of a lot of it i think a, a video that i stumbled across on youtube did a really good job with a ton of research. I'm going to plug that in defense of Columbus and exaggerated evil um, by the YouTube account Knowing Better. Did a great job, and and this is this is it, it's from the perspective of trying to not necessarily. It's hard to defend the guy, as I've said, but a lot of the he he tackles a lot of the misinformation about out there about him being an idiot that just stumbled across. Um, these these islands and thought thought that they were Asia and were naming people Indians and whatnot like that. Um, he wasn't he was not a bad uh, explorer. He knew how to navigate the seas. I truly believe this, and I, I think um, he gets put painted in this light like he like everyone else knew stuff that he he just miscalculated and he thought he was in this place. I was like, no, the scholars at the time didn't know the North America, South America. They didn't know the Americas existed and they wouldn't have known it was called that obviously, but they thought Asia was a whole lot bigger than it was. The map he was given by other scholars to go on this exploration had, had no Americas in it. They thought Asia extended out way further and they thought Japan was a lot closer to Europe. Um, so when he stumbled onto what's now the Bahamas, he thought he was off the coast of Japan. Um, on an island off the coast of Japan. So there's there's so much that has just been lied about and misconstrued and whatnot. Um, ultimately, he was just another bad guy in history, in my opinion, that for a long time, because he was kind of the first, one of the first people here, I can't say the first, because there was obviously millions of people already um, in the Americas, you know, South America, North America, there was a lot of indigenous peoples. And there was also apparently Vikings that discovered uh, the Americas first, but they left and never came back and forgot about it, apparently, according to this 
um, this YouTube video that I watched. Um, I did more research other than just the YouTube video, but it's a very extensive video that gives a different take. If you want a different take, obviously everyone's heard that he's a terrible, you know, terrible guy. Um, and that he was a dummy and everything else. So if you want a different perspective on it, that's why I, I wanted to kind of bring that up. Mainly because I'm a contrarian. I don't really like say, pushing the same narrative. And I truly believe that we have to, we have to start, as, as a society, start taking context into account more. Stop putting a lens of current times where we've evolved. We've evolved in such a great way. You know what I mean? Like we've really come a long way and we're – uh, we're so much more understanding of people's differences and we're empathetic and all all of that is is a great thing of evolution um, within our society. But that didn't, that, that evolution started somewhere and it started in a savage world many, many years ago. Um, and it, it had evolved to a certain extent when Christopher Columbus was alive, but not, not anywhere near where we're at now. So my just to conclude my thoughts, I think he should be, um, his name should be brought up in textbooks, and you should get the good with the bad. Um, he was an explorer that just did discover uh, the new world in a sense, and and uh, um, you should that should be talked about, but also the bad. You know what he did to the indigenous peoples. Um, he should not be necessarily celebrated. Um, that being said, I like I said, I don't think he's all that different from most people during that time, and he was not acting alone when it came to his treatment of those indigenous peoples. He was doing it on behalf of the people that he was working for as well. So yeah, it's just another chapter of history that's very complicated um, and uh, brutal and bloody. And that's, uh, thankfully, we've evolved to get where we're at now. And that's, you know, hopefully a thing of the past um, forever. And we won't ever devolve back to just savagely conquering each other for lands and territory and resources. And so yeah, that's my thoughts. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. See you next week. All right, Lauren, thank you so much for that synopsis on point as always. And I have to agree with it, the being a contrarian. I think the rise in contrarians, um, has, has really uh, skyrocketed lately. And I think it's because we all, share so many things, so many things that we're interested in, things that are good, content that is good, content that is uh, interesting, um, palatable, or or just shocking, seems to really spread very quickly. And a lot of times that's, it's just not the truth. It's just the it's just the fact of it. A lot of times that's just not the truth. It's not the whole story. And I think people are are starting to catch on to that more now than ever. Um, so with that being said, hopefully guys that, uh, gave you a little insight, gave you a good start to learning the truth about Columbus. Um, I in no way tried to push this podcast off as here's everything you need to know about Columbus, right? But I just wanted to clear up a few things that I found to be false and a few interesting things that I found to be true. And also just kind of weigh in on my opinion as well on, why we celebrate him and should we celebrate him. All right, but that's enough about Columbus. Let's talk about this podcast, right? That's what you're here for, listening to this podcast. Um, If you love this podcast and you want to see it succeed and you want to see it stick around for a while, the best way to support this show right now is patreon.com slash s and you podcast. Um, 
anywhere. You can just just search that in URL. If you're already on Patreon, sometimes it's hard to find for whatever reason, especially on the app. The Patreon app is, for lack of a better term, garbage. I hate it. I hate it. But it is what it is. For right now, there's not really a better platform, or at least a better known platform, um, to monetize your art and your creativity on. So, Patreon, you got us by the balls. But anyways, patreon.com slash podcast. And guys, for just three bucks a month, you can get early access to all of these shows. They'll be released on Thursdays instead of Mondays. And you also get access to two other shows I do, being uh, The Palette Cleanser and Strange Shorts. I try to release one of those or the other every week. Okay? So, speaking of Patreon, I want to give a huge shout-out to a new patron that came on this week. Nick Corchain, thank you so much uh, for coming on at the $3 level. Appreciate that very much, man. I hope you're enjoying all the extra content, the extra shows. I think there's six to seven episodes of each of those shows. So as soon as you sign up for Patreon, you got about 13 to 14 new sound files to listen to right off the bat, okay? As well as some video. I have a video on there. Um, now, now for the video stuff, you have to join the $5 level, right? Because that's strangeness with visuals. See what I did there? Visuals like video. Um, but in one of the videos, I give you guys some background into the setup that I use to record. Um, and another, and sometimes I'll record video of me recording strange shorts. The other uh, show that I do, I actually have another strange Shorts, strange shorts eight, which I just released, um, has, uh, a video with it as well, but for some reason I'm having issues with Vimeo um, uploading that video. So I'm I'm working on that. I'm trying to supply more consistent uh, visual content on Patreon. So that's Patreon. Another great way to help the show right now is to leave a review, tell your friends, subscribe, um, download episodes, whatever it is. So I want to give a shout out to a new reviewer this week. Uh, Suit left a five star review, said love it and keep it up. So thank you very much, Suit, for that review. Left that review via Podcast Attic, um, which is a great a great app for listening to podcasts. It's an app that I personally use. I'm an Android user, okay? So think less of me, if you will. Um, but I love Podcast Attic. That The app stays up to date. Um, you can leave reviews on the Podcast Addict app itself, or you can switch over and view iTunes reviews as well through that app. So it's a great app, and it keeps everything all organized. Um, it always, you know, you can set it to let you know when new episodes come out. I use it to listen to podcasts as well as to keep track of of my own podcast um, because it seems to to update very quickly. So I've until something changes or until I start having issues with it, Podcast Addict, great app for listening to podcasts. Um, a lot of people have been having issues with Apple lately. Um, but yeah, so enough of that. Guys, reach out on social media, at Podcast on Instagram, on Twitter, um, Strange and Unexplained on Facebook. You guys can find me there. You can send, uh, you can message me ideas for cases. You have some strange cases or some strange topics or just a strange person in history in general that you'd like to uh, for me to talk about maybe you have some information about a case or about a person or about a a time an event in history that you think other people don't know reach out to me maybe we can collaborate uh, you know collaborate a little bit and you know work something out i would appreciate it other listeners would appreciate it we all benefit right 
But yeah, so that's at, at S and U podcast. You can also just direct email me at S and U podcast at gmail.com for any questions, concerns, um, case suggestions, whatever that may be. All right. All right, guys. I think that's all the housekeeping. And uh, I'll see you guys next week with a brand new strange and unexplained case. All right. Remember, be strange. Just don't be a stranger. Stranger.